Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. For those in here today that all of this may be new, I pray, God, that speak. And may our hearts be open to your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen. Today we do look at the story of the Ethiopian eunuch found in Acts chapter 8. Before I get into it, I want to draw your attention to these boxes that are across the front here. These are evangelism kits. These kits are for you to use. They're free, of course. They have a booklet on how to share your faith. They have tracks and flyers, handouts for you to use. But the unique thing is this is a really, really good resource as all of these things have links to websites where folks can go and learn more about Christ. And while we certainly would love to have people that you connect with come to Greater Life Church, it's way more important to us that they come to Jesus. And uh, I hope and pray that we would all respond to the call of sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with those we come in contact with. Recently, we discovered a couple of weeks ago, the statistically speaking, over these past two years, what used to be, I believe, in the teens of people that struggled with anxiety and depression is now 41% in America, people that say they struggle with anxiety and depression. That is staggering. As we find folks all over our communities suffering silently, knowing that if someone were just to love them and share with them the answer, that it might literally save their life, both in this side of eternity and in the next. Our assignment and our call is just to be Jesus to people that we come in contact with, is just to be obedient, is just to go. It's the third part of our mission statement to gather. That's what we're doing now in the presence of God and others to grow in relationship with God and others. That's what we do in our Wednesday night grow nights and, and other small groups as we serve together and study the word of God together. And finally, to go, to go outside of these walls, to share our faith, to talk about Jesus in the workplace, no matter what may be the consequence or the ridicule. Listen, persecution is not a thing in America. No one's being persecuted in America. That comment on your Facebook post is not persecution. Can we be honest? You, you, you may even experience in the workplace some, some tension, but that's not persecution. In Acts chapter 8, we see the beginnings of the church. The church being the body of Christ. Jesus came to this earth. He worked miracles. And in three years' time, he went from no followers to literally thousands and thousands of followers. 
However, in Jesus' story, we find that in a moment, something switched. All of the followers that would celebrate the miracles hated him and demanded that he be killed upon a cross. It is the story of Easter that we're going to next month. But today you need to know that Jesus didn't die for anything. He died for you. He died for me. So we could have access to eternal life. And he's not dead today. He's alive forevermore. We find the church beginning in the book of Acts. Jesus has now ascended into heaven. And according to scripture is now in heaven at the right hand of the father. Jesus and the father sent the promise which is the Holy Spirit which fell on the followers of Christ in Acts chapter 2. They received this spirit so they could go and be witnesses, share their faith. They received this spirit so there would be power when they shared their faith. Miracles opened up the door for people to be eager to listen to what they had to say. And in Acts chapter 8, the church had their first interaction or their first bump in the road the persecution became real, not just something that was said, not just something that was implied, but now we had someone who had just died for the sake of the name of Jesus. Many people would even argue today that the gospel can't be real. It's just not believable. Can I tell you something? Multiple thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have gone to their graves because they would not give up the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's real. Go find me something else in the world where people are dying in that way for the sake of the message, for the sake of their salvation, for the sake of the name of Jesus. The instructions to the apostles and to Christ's followers was to go into all the world, to go and be my witnesses. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. Now go, go, spread this message all over the world that you can find eternal life, that this isn't it, there's more. It was the greatest message in all of history that humanity and their sinful condition, making mistakes all the time, had an opportunity to be saved from their miserable sin that led them to death. And in Acts chapter 8, we find the church strong and growing, thousands of people now relegated and confined to Jerusalem. Somewhere along the line, they forgot that the message was to go Acts chapter 1, I mean, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It'll be on the screens if you'd like to follow along. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely to the killing of Stephen. You see, Stephen was the first martyr of the church. He died by being stoned to death because he would not turn his back on Jesus Christ and on the message of the gospel. And because of that, Hate welled up in the religious leaders of the day and stoned him to death. It says here, a great wave of persecution began that day. 
sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Interesting, they were scattered to the very places that Jesus told them to go to in the first place. Go first to Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And they said, yes, we'll go to Jerusalem. Stop. You need to understand something that partial obedience is disobedience. Saying yes to just that part of God's call for your life is disobedience. We've got to say yes to all that God has for us. Amen? Say, yeah, yeah Lord, I'll give up that sin, but I'm going to hang on to this one over here. Yeah, Lord, I'll go to church, but, but, but I really also want to go to the club. So I need to go to the 11 o'clock service, you know, because I'll be out late. Hmm. Can we talk? You know, God is a God that wants all of us, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We are not a people. We cannot be a people that serve God with half of our effort. That's called lukewarm. And in Revelation, it says God will spew us out of his mouth. In other words, he won't tolerate it. Greater Life Church, we got to be all in or not in at all. Acts chapter 8, verse 1, back to it. A great wave of persecution began that day. They went to the regions of Judea and Samaria. Verse 2, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Taking me back to the persecution statement. Saul didn't make the ancient version of posting on their Facebook profile. I don't like you because you're a Christian. Stick it on their door. <laughs> he dragged them away, threw them into prison. That's persecution. And it's still happening all over the world. Verse 4, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, told the people there about the Messiah, Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Samaria, a city that had long been forgotten, by the Jewish people. Samaria, a city that faced such prejudice from everybody around them. Samaria, a people that everybody considered was not good enough because they were kind of half-breeds. They were kind of half this and half that. They worshiped God, but they also worshiped idols. Samaria found the message of the good news that Jesus loves you right where you are. You know the better part of that? He loves you right where you are, and he loves you too much to leave you there. Samaria found this message. They were eager to hear evil spirits cast out. What were the evil spirits? The evil spirits was any God or any entity that they had placed in a position of worship in their lives. We've said this before, false gods are demons. If it's not God, it's devil. It's that simple. 
And the scripture tells us that the devil goes around and he disguises himself as an angel of light. Come to me. But I'll tell you, it might be warm, it might feel good in a moment, but the devil will turn on you and destroy your life as fast as he can. As soon as he's got you, he will try to destroy you. But how many of you guys are thankful that the light that came through Jesus Christ in John, as it, it tells us in John chapter 1, the light of Jesus Christ chases away the darkness and it stands no chance against the light of the gospel. Amen? So we find the church going now and being obedient to go to Judea and Samaria. I believe that God is sovereign over all things. I also believe there is sin in the world and pain in the world, and God does not cause it. People do because of sin. Sometimes we get wrapped up in this position that if God was if God was so good and so loving, then how come there are children that get abused and how come I lost my loved one and how come this happened and that happened? Well, I'll tell you, the reason all of those things happened is because at the beginning of time when God created a perfect world, we messed it up. Adam and Eve chose to take up the pride and try to be like God. Pride is the original sin and it still haunts us to today. Unfortunately, one of the things that's, that's the biggest problems in our society is this whole sexual revolution that has taken place. They call it pride, to celebrate the pride. Pride is a sin. Why would you celebrate pride? That's the thing that got us in trouble in the first place. A little bit of humility goes a long way, friends. God allowed, because he's sovereign, allowed this persecution to take place because it spread the gospel throughout the world as was his intent. One man named Philip in this series, each one, one man named Philip obeyed and went to Samaria to preach. And as a result, the power of the Holy Spirit brought great joy through healings and deliverance. It's my hope today, and I believe that everybody in this room will be able to relate at least in one way or another with these two people, Philip and the man he ministers to, the Ethiopian eunuch. You may be the one searching, you may be the one who's called to go, but I want all of us to know that every single person in here today, this message is for you. You are here because God wanted you to be here today. Acts chapter eight, beginning in verse 26. Looking at Philip, we have the opportunity to share the gospel. Verse 26 through 28, I believe it'll be on the screen. Number one, have trust in God's leading. Have trust in God's leading. Verse 26 says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the candidate, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet 
Isaiah. Let me talk to you for just a moment about this eunuch. Many people have come to accept the translation, the eunuch means someone who has physically castrated themselves so they could serve at the disposal of the queen in the kingdom and not have issues in regards to temptation and that kind of line. However, it also applies to a, a, a term that speaks of a government official or a leader within the government. In this, we find that this both probably are true. This was a common practice in those days. This man is also the treasurer, a man of great wealth, a man of great influence. He worked for the queen of Ethiopia. Ethiopia back then was not this country that I don't know about you, but when I grew up, all I heard about in the 80s was that there was famine and there was starvation in Ethiopia. Anybody else with me on that? When I, when I think Ethiopia, that's what I think of. Ethiopia was a world power in those days. Spices and wealth flowed through Ethiopia. Its borders went all the way up to Egypt. Ethiopia was not some poor nation over there. Ethiopia was a powerhouse in those days of great wealth. And it goes all the way back to about 950 BC. We'll get to that in just a few moments, but the Ethiopian eunuch, full of wealth, full of influence, is on his way home from the temple. Why? Because whatever was in Ethiopia didn't satisfy him. He needed more. How many of you guys have found yourselves in a position where you need more? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, Pastor Andrew, I've, 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 I've done everything I can to, to fix it myself, or I've, I've tried to, to just will myself to feel better, and, and I, just be happy for once. Stop being so sad all the time. Do better at work. How many of you guys have been, gotten to the place that yourself ran out and you needed more? And see, that's where God comes in. But that's an act of humility saying, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. For me, for me, it was fifth grade math. My mom homeschooled me for like one semester. <laughs> and this was long division time. Still hate it. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I believe it's part of the fall. Why do we need this? Listen, you kids today, you kids today. <laughs> Gosh. I, I would get the little math paper assignment, like seven or eight problems in the morning. And I would sit there all day. My father would go to work. Have a good day, everybody. He'd come back, hey, everybody, and I'm still sitting there. My brother's playing, having the time. They would play like in front of me on purpose, I think. Let's go play in here. That's why I beat him up. Deserved it. But we all find ourselves in frustrating challenges where we just can't get over it. We just can't get through it on our own. And that's why we need the, the leading, the power, the anointing, the favor of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord upon our lives. 
For me, it's a silly example of long division, but friends, you're facing something maybe today that you just can't get through on your own. There is hope. His name is Jesus. The eunuch found himself frustrated, went all the way to Jerusalem. It was a trip that would take many, many days. He was reading in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 56, it says, let no foreigner who has, been bound, who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain. I am only a day tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Then it goes on to say, and it continues, if you will keep my commands, I will give them joy in my house of prayer, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the scripture Jesus quoted when he cleared the temple. This is the scripture maybe the eunuch was reading as he got there. Why did the eunuch go to the temple? Because there was hope at the temple. You see, Old Testament law required in the book of Leviticus, we found that eunuchs were barred from going in the temple and even near the temple. They were people that were not allowed to get close to God's presence because they were flawed. They were physically damaged, unclean. Yet in Isaiah, the prophecy says that when Jesus comes, when the Savior comes, when the Messiah comes, now there's hope for even the eunuch to be able to worship within the temple again. Why did he go to Jerusalem? Because that's where hope was. Here he is, back to the scripture, on his way home, still confused, still upset, still feeling lost. <laughs> so God says, I'm gonna send an angel to a man named Philip and tell them, wander down this desert road because I have a job for you to do. Sometimes we just have trust. We just have to have trust in God's leading. Friend, I'm gonna tell you something. If it makes sense, it may not, <laughs> it may not be God in the first place. If your dreams, I've, I've heard it a million times, but I've heard it once. If your dreams aren't bigger than you, then they may not be God's dreams for your life. If you can do it on your own, why do you need God's help? I've said often from this pulpit, the reason why some of you guys haven't won the lottery because God knows he, you can't handle it. Only time you keep coming back to him is because you have a need. It's me again, Lord. I ran out of money. It's the funniest thing. Right? And God is saying, just stay close to me long enough to grow. <laughs> long enough to get past that, to get some humility and to get some maturity in your life. So God sees this Ethiopian eunuch and he calls Philip and he sends him down there. Wow, that sounds like a whole lot of work and a whole lot of moving around just for one man. Yeah. But how many of you guys understand that the scripture says that it is God's heart that all men be saved? 
And all of us just need to understand that we're just chessboards on the, on, on the board of life for God to use and to move and to, and to get us in the right position at the right place to reach another person. Amen? God didn't put you on this earth to work at that company to build enough retirement that you can finally walk away. He put you on this earth for kingdom purposes. Amen? Pastor Andy, you saying I get to quit? No, no, no. Not saying that. Hey, boss, listen, man, church was good yesterday, but I'm out. I feel like I'm mature enough that lottery's going to hit now. I feel like it's going to hit. <laughs> Which, by the way, don't play the lottery. It's a waste of your money. Some of y'all are thinking, I'm so confused. <laughs> I thought he's saying to do it. <laughs> However, if you do win, 10%. God is watching. I would be lying if I didn't tell you. I know what that big number is, and I know I'm to keep waiting for that 10% to hit in that offering plate. <laughs> Have trust in God's leading. God sent an angel of the Lord in your note sheets if you're taking notes. The providence of the Lord. It's so amazing and so unique, the time and the place and the meeting with the eunuch. He was going home at the perfect time. Philip's wandering down the desert road at the perfect time. Just as a survey, has anybody ever experienced something in your life that it felt like, wow, God was in that one? Raise your hand. It, it happens when you're walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. What you'll begin to experience is, wow, God did that, and God did that, and God did that. And it feels awesome to know that God is in control of it all. The providence of the Lord is an amazing thing if we just submit ourselves to it. The prompting of the Lord, the third thing, having trust in God's leading. The prompting of the Lord. First, the angel told him to go to the road, go down south. So he started out. He met the treasure of Ethiopia. And in verse 28, he was returning. In verse 29, it says, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Let me do a little bit of teaching for just a moment about what it looks like when the Holy Spirit said to Philip. Because some of us have this understanding that those all must be burning bush, audible voice type moments, and that's not how it works. It's unique. It, it certainly does work. Moses heard an audible voice of God. It certainly does work that way, but most of the time, it's a prompting from within. It's just as powerful. It's just as strong if you're listening. The leading of the Holy Spirit is something that, that is very clear to us as believers if we're just paying attention. All we got to do is listen and obey. So for someone, it might build a prompting. It might be an idea. It might be something that well, I wouldn't. The good question to you is, would you think of that on your own? Is that something that, is that idea, is that, is that prompting, is that leading something that was for your benefit? I feel like the Lord's telling me to go get a hamburger this afternoon. <laughs> no, no, just stop it. And can I just also encourage you? Be careful when you walk up to somebody and say, God told me to tell you. 
If anybody says that to me, the first thing I do, okay, what is it? If we find ourselves in a position that we feel like we have opportunity or the authority to speak for God, we better be right every time. So how does it, how does it work? How did the Holy Spirit tell Philip to go walk along beside that carriage? Philip's walking down the desert road. I don't want to do it down this desert road. I'm walking around the desert road. Ain't nobody around here. Oh, look, a carriage. And there's a prompting. Go. I'm supposed to go. It's so simple. It's so clear. It's so easy. But it only comes when we're full of the Holy Ghost and we're listening to His voice. We can only hear His voice when we've already been obedient to the command that's already come. You see, He was walking in the right place at the right time because the angel told Him so. Now, I will tell you this, the angel did show up and tell him so. Angels don't talk like the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit leads from within. Angels show up. Biblically speaking, angels show up. So listen, I'll tell you this much. You don't want to have to have a visit from an angel in your room in the middle of the night. Listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Holy Spirit prompts, 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 prompts. Oh, I ain't heard nothing. He's like, hey, listen, we've been calling you for six weeks now. <laughs> and it's not about your car warranty. <laughs> Stop. I do so good. And then I just have trust in God's plan. Number two, guys, God has a plan for your life loves you. He loves you. And if you, if you don't walk away from anything, know that God, the creator of heaven and earth, knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knew you before you were born, and he has a plan for your life. That alone should give you reason to wake up each morning and have purpose in your step. Have trust in God's plan. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over, love it, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? He urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuchs asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. <laughs> he was reading that passage at that moment when Philip ran up to the chariot. Picture in your mind for a moment, this is an incredibly wealthy person from an incredibly wealthy nation. 
It's not just him and a little two-wheel thing that he's just riding along. This, this is a caravan. This is an entourage. He's got a safety team around. He, he's got security. He's got camels. He's got baggage. He's got gold and probably precious things. The guy, I mean, he's the treasurer. He probably has lots of Bitcoin <laughs> if it was a thing. This guy, he's made it. <laughs> and he's riding along and up runs Philip. Hey, can you picture that? <laughs> like, I mean, if I was Philip, are you sure? I mean, you sure? There's not somebody else on this desert road? I just picture looking around, nothing but desert. The only chariot. And he goes. And the eunuch, remember I told you a little humility goes a long way. The eunuch who didn't have to give him the time of day, was in his fields reading the scripture, like torn about it. Didn't experience the joy that came with Jesus yet. Went to the temple and still went back home completely unsatisfied. And up runs Philip, this raggedy looking dude with no money, no possessions, just him and one of them Bible costumes right? And he says, hey, come, come up here. That's humility. Can I tell you something? If you give people an opportunity to speak into your life, sometimes you might learn something. No matter their position. He joins him in the chariot. Hey, what are you reading? I just can picture Philip's excitement from within. Now, here's what I'm reading right here. And he goes, oh, I know what this is about. Okay, hurry up, read it so I can tell you what it's about. Philip obeyed without hesitation. He ran. I wonder if Philip didn't run, would he still been on the right passage? <laughs> you see, this is, this is full of such unique detail that it makes you think that maybe, maybe this is a supernatural book. I believe it. I believe it's inerrant. I believe it's inspired. And I believe it's eternal. He responded with confidence. What does this say? Philip jumped right in. He gave him the message of the gospel. He spoke to a dignitary of great wealth and great, great stature. And he was ready to give an answer. You cannot be ready to give an answer if you have not read anything and got trained yourself. Listen, these gotta go for your sake. Oh, I know what the Bible says. You need help. Can I tell you that the vast majority of Christians when asked say they are uncomfortable sharing their faith. They have no idea where to start. And your faith isn't come to church with me. That's not your faith. Your faith is why do you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? What does it mean to you? Why do you believe you'll have eternal life and you won't go to hell? What does that mean to you? It's in these kits because it's in this book and it'll show you how. Respond with confidence. Can we all be ready to respond? 
There may be someone like the eunuch that we run into, that we encounter, that God sends us to. This one encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch had lasting impact that now has, has proved that millions upon millions of people are going to be in heaven as this one encounter. Back to Ethiopia. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, we read of the queen of Sheba. Sheba was called the land of Cush in Bible times during that time, and it was literally the borders almost exactly as Ethiopia. The queen of Sheba went to visit a man named Solomon, who was the king of Israel. She was super excited and gave him all these riddles, and, and he answered all of them. She was so impressed with his wealth, she brought all these fancy things. The Bible even says Solomon gave her more stuff than she brought, because he could. <laughs> Thank you for all this gold. How about I give you one more gold bar than you gave me? She was so impressed. Many scholars and tradition believes in Ethiopia. They believe that she, when was there, became one of Solomon's wives and gave birth to a man named Kelamar when he got back home, when she got back home. Whether or not that happens doesn't really matter. The fact is that the Bible tells us that Solomon told the queen of Sheba about his God. She went home and made that the religion of Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia, in those days, has one of the strongest, and even today, one of the strongest populations of Jews in all of the world. Multiple thousands, tens of thousands of Ethiopian Jews have migrated to Israel and now live there as their home. But here's the exciting part. The Queen of Sheba got the Jewish side of things, the religious side of things, but that was before Christ. They set up their own religion. They set up their own uh, uh, temples and they began to worship. Then the eunuch, who was Jewish, went to the temple in Jerusalem because religion had not gotten him far enough. And he met Philip, but ultimately he met Jesus. Here's what, here's what happened. In verse 36, it says, as they rode along, they came along some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Talking about baptism today. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. What? I mean, how cool is that? He's just gone. So the eunuch's like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Whoa, hey. Philip? The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. One encounter with an obedient follower of Christ changed a nation. Amen. Let me tell you, this eunuch took that message back home. He didn't sit on it. He just didn't go into his own prayer closet and say, oh, Lord, you know, thank you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and, and minister to me again today. No, we know he went home and told people about it. Why? 
Because today, 2,000 years later, in 2007, the late, that's the latest study I could find, there are, catch this, huh, ooh, 45 million Christians in Ethiopia. That's how many people total live in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida combined. 45 million people serve Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in Ethiopia today. Why? Because one guy named Philip shared his faith with one guy, the treasurer and the eunuch of Ethiopia, and it literally changed a nation in North Africa where Islam is normal. The Christian nation of Ethiopia thrives in their religious community. Many people believe that what God started in this story has mushroomed into this incredible movement. And I know, I know that God wants to use you to reach one. Start there, one, and see what God will do. Could it be 45 million in 2,000 years if the Lord should tarry? I don't know. Maybe. But how about one? That's not bound for hell anymore. <laughs> that when you get to heaven, they're going to say, hey, remember me? You shared your faith in me, and then the Spirit of the Lord snatched you. And I never saw you again, but I went away rejoicing, so I'm really, really stoked about that. And now I went home, told my daddy and my daddy's daddy and my mama and my cousins, and now they're all saved too. Can you imagine? It only takes one decision to change a generation, a family, and a nation. Will you be the one to share with the one that can change this community? I will. Will you join me? Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, now, open hearts, open lives. Make us ready. Inspire us. Speak to us. Lead us. Guide us to the one that needs it. Thank you for today. Lord, as long as you give us here upon this earth, we promise, here at Greater Life Church, we promise, we promise to work hard, to be loving, to not give a watered-down gospel, but to preach the word so that lives may be changed. And Lord, so that your house, so that heaven may be full. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. These kits on the far outside are for young adults. These in the middle, there's some Spanish ones mixed in there. So read it at the top. Make sure you don't take a Spanish one home unless you want a Spanish one. We've got a lot of people that want a Spanish one. Take these home with you. Use them. Let's reach people for Jesus Christ. Amen?